Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on New Year's Day evening, Sunday evening. And joining me from Naples, Florida is Bobby Marks. Bobby, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Brian. Happy New Year to you. Thanks. So um, there's there's been a lot happening in the NBA over the last few days. There's like seven or eight different guys have scored over 40 points. Like on New Year's Eve, I or maybe not use even December 30th. I swear there was like eight guys who scored over 40 points. It was like a wild day. Luca's going crazy. Um, but you know us, we tend to always look at the other side because it's more f- interesting. Um, and so I want to start off today, Bobby, by talking about the, what's plaguing the Minnesota Timberwolves who um, are definitely one of the more disappointing teams in the league to this, to this point. They're not, completely out of position. They're, they're only in 11th place right now. They're five games under 500. They've lost six games in a row. Um, and this is kind of the lowest point because on Saturday they lost at home to the Detroit Pistons. Um, anytime the Pistons beat you, it's not good, especially once you're, when you're at home, um, with their six straight loss. And look, they have been without Carl Towns for the last 16 games. They're six and ten uh, in that stretch. Um, recently, Rudy Gobert has been out of the lineup a little bit um, with illness, and so they've been some of these games. They've been relatively shorthanded. They've had some other guys who have been out for long stretches: Torian Prince, uh, Jordan McLaughlin, who is their backup point guard, but is a a key player for them. So I want to be clear before we talk about this: they are definitely have dealt with injuries. But there is a lot, you know, affecting this team right now. They're competitive. I don't know what you want to call it, Bobby. Their competitiveness has definitely been questioned, especially in the second half of some games, especially in the second half of that uh, loss against the Pistons. They had a a players-only meeting for about a half hour afterwards, although – some guys try to deny it and say, we talk after every game. Okay. Um, Chris Finch, their head coach is kind of exasperated. I was with them about two and a half weeks ago and he was exasperated then. And that was really before things went from bad to worse. And of course, everything about Bobby, everything about the wolves this year centers around the go bear trade. And as the jazz have played well, um, although they've come back to earth and had a couple of close losses, in this last couple of weeks and they're they're now under 500 Um, as the guys that they traded there, like Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt and Walker Kessler, who is definitely a serious candidate for all rookie. I would say, especially as a defensive player, he's looking great defensively, the type of player they wanted to get, you know, for Gobert. You know that they were trying to get when they traded Gobert, plus the, the you know all the picks. Bobby, it's just been a tough situation in Minnesota, and Tim Connolly, the general manager, has been a bit of a pinata during the stretch for the Wolves fans. Um, you've obviously been on the other side of this, where you've made big trades. Um, it's a it's a stressful time there for them right now. Oh, I mean, we they went all in. Right. So when you swing for the fence and you go all in, like we said, um, this off this past offseason with the, the Gobert trade, like you've you only have really one chance at getting it right. 
Um, the jury is still out. I mean, they were 10 and 11 with Towns in a lineup before he got hurt. As you mentioned, they're 6 and 10. I think the, the concerning point for me is their point differential in the second half is minus 12. I mean that in the last six games during this six game losing streak here. That's the average. That's the, the average. average. Yeah. That's the average. Um, they were non-competitive in the second half to Detroit. Brian, their bench was outscored um 65 to 20 in the Detroit loss. Um so that's you know, you, you had lost to Miami in that stretch. You had no you you didn't play Gobert down the stretch, you played Nas Reed instead. I thought they're probably their best game in, in, in the last couple of weeks was the loss to New Orleans. He lost by a point, which was a tremendous game. I mean, that was the Zion taking over. I guess we call it football or basketball or one or the other. But, <laughs> but yeah, that was so funny because, you know, earlier this year, the Pelicans were just exasperated by the lack of calls. And David Griffin, I think, said something and TJ McCollum said something. And like they were like, we can't get a call. And now you've got you know, the Wolves in that game, which was, you know, a moral victory, I guess, considering all the guys who are out complaining that Zion gets all the calls and that he's bowling people over and not getting called. Just a classic ref complaint situation in the NBA. But go ahead. Didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, you. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think we're, what are we, almost 40 games in? And I still don't think, even though we've, there's been injuries, we don't know what their identity is. Last year, their identities, they ranked I think seventh in offense, uh, offensive efficiency, tops in three-point makes, attempts, um, I think top 10 in percentage. Um, this year, they're trending kind of towards the bottom. Um, the guys they signed in the offseason, uh, Kyle Anderson's been hurt. Um, you know, Bryn Forbes has been getting DMPs, Austin Rivers, some of those minimum guys here. As you mentioned, Torian Prince has been hurt. You know, Cat certainly um, now you're relying on a bench that is below average. I think it's going to be interesting here going forward. So they had this, this players only meeting after the Detroit loss, Chris Finch came out and said, basically like, I'm going to just start playing guys who I think should be on the court. I think you're going to probably, what you'll see is you'll probably see more of like Wendell Moore, their first round pick out of Duke and Josh Minot, who they drafted out of Memphis. Like, I think you're going to see a little bit of their, um, their younger players. They've got Denver, Portland, and the Clippers. Those are their next three games all at home. Um, but you're right. I mean, they're 16 and 21, but they're, what are they, a half game out of 10? Um, you know, between them, the Lake, them, the Lakers, I think probably OKC, those are the three teams that are jockeying there. Um, but here's the question, as you know, like who in that top 10 is going to fall out? Um, is it going to be Utah? Um, that would probably be the, the, the lone, uh, lone team here. So, I just don't know what their identity here. I would have loved, you know, I'd love to have Carl Anthony Towns in the lineup for 35, 40 games, and we can probably make a better assumption. But without him here, I mean, you know, they have to be, you know, either making shots or getting stops. And they haven't been able to do, you know, haven't been able to do either. Well, yeah, that was their style of play last year. Their style of play was high tempo, high scoring, high volume threes. Um, run and gun is one of the reasons why that series that they played with Memphis was so entertaining it was because they played kind of this wild style and Tim Connolly. And by the way, it wasn't just Tim Connolly, you know, their um, Mark Laurie, who's their incoming owner. I believe he has to buy a piece of the, you know, another tranche of the team um, this year. And then he, I think can buy the rest at the end of next year. I guess it's this year now, 2023. 
um, but he's influencing policy already. He wanted that trade too. It wasn't just Tim Connolly, uh, from what I understand. He was a driving force in that trade too. Um, but one of the reasons why they wanted to do that is they wanted to to clean up the areas that they, you know, saw that they didn't think that that the way that team played was going to get to the next level. Now it was really enjoyable for the fans. It's a it's a it's an organization that has really done everything they possibly can to drive away their fans for the last 15 years, whether it's losing franchise players um, to, to, to demanding trades from Garnett to Kevin Love, you know, um, you know, Wiggins then didn't work out. He was a, considered a franchise player at one point. Um, you know, the, 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 the Thibodeau thing was a, was a tease. And then Jimmy Butler wanted out. I mean, like, there's been this long stretch where the, those fans have been bashed over the head with very little to celebrate. And then they finally had a team to celebrate. And I think it was a responsible concept by Tim Connolly and the ownership to say, okay, well, let's take the next step. And they just paid so much for it that they really made their margin for error small. Now, what I'd say is they didn't invest in Gobert for one year. Like they saw this as a multi-year play, um, you know. Quite frankly, Chris Finch, I, I was there in the preseason. I talked to him about it, and you know, I really like Chris Finch because he's frank. Um, and he said, "Look, people look at what Gobert and Donovan Mitchell were in Utah, and they go, well, they never made it to the finals, or they you know, they got eliminated in the playoffs.' He was like, they made it to the playoffs six straight years.'" Well, the number one overall seed had a great chance. Several years had, you know, if things had fallen differently, they could have been in the conference finals or finals. He's like, if we got a six-year run like that with this group, we would be thrilled. And we would see whether we could maybe maximize a little bit more. You know, they knew that Gobert had limitations. They didn't expect him to walk in and everything to be perfect. They knew it was going to take some time. But he has really, I think, really frustrated the fans there and frustrated his teammates because earlier the season, he kept having turnovers. They would like run plays, pick and rolls for him and the ball would go through his hands. And I don't have the number in front of me to tell you how many of those turnovers he had, but for the wolves and their fans, it felt like a hundred and there was some frustration there. And then his defense was good, but like, was not like game changing? Like they thought, and then the injuries came in and look, their, 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 their best player. I mean, you can debate about whether Ant Edwards is their best player, but their best player is really Carl Towns. That's the guy they gave the $200 million contract to. He's barely played. He, he came in late because he got the illness in the, in the preseason and it totally wrecked his preseason. He lost a bunch of weight and now he had the calf injury, which frankly looked like it could have been a lot worse. Bobby, I don't think they really have much of an option here other than to wait and hope that they are able to, to, to patch it together. This is what Gobert has been preaching. Gobert has been preaching patience, patience, patience. Um, but you can the natives are getting restless there. Yeah, I mean, I think the fans are getting restless because they saw what happened um, the year they made the playoffs with Tibbs and then it, all, all hell broke loose the following year with, you know, with the Jimmy Butler situation. Um, and now they felt that they were, you know, you lose to Memphis um, in a great series here that they were one player away. And um, like I've been there, like, you know, when we made a big Boston trade of 
you know, back way back when, like we lost to Chicago and we thought we were one player away to compete with Miami. Right. And when you do something like that, um, you know, it's, if you don't get it right, it, you know, will haunt you for a long, long time here. And um, how this roster is built. I mean, they're going to be faced with a decision with Anthony Edwards this summer. They're going to essentially have probably three max players here um, and not have it, not have a choice about it. And, um, you know, Gobert's got, you know, what, three, you know, three more years, um, you know, towns, the, the supermax hasn't kicked in yet. You're stripped of your draft assets. It's not like this is a situation like, um, you know, Chicago or some of these other teams where we say, well, now we got to pivot here, right? Like it's hard to pivot be- right now because a Gobert is, is his trade value is, is not, it's not there. Towns can't be traded. And, and you're basically looking at, you know, some of your smaller pieces, your, your, De- oh, I guess D'Angelo Russell's contract was one of your bigger pieces, but what is the value of him on an expiring contract in a point guard heavy league here? Um, that's the hard part here is that you're basically, you know, the next thing would be is you just, you know, you just fire the coach, right? But Brian, I mean, like, that's how we always see it. Like not, maybe not now, but you go into the off season and be like, well, maybe it's somebody else that can, you know, shape this roster differently than how Chris Finch is. But you wrote the great piece before, um, before the season started, like, you know, Chris was involved in the decision-making. He was like, totally, he was yeah, he was totally for it. Unless he was doing a great acting job on me. He was totally for it. <laughs> yeah. Which is different than when we went through with, um, with Jason kid back in 2000, um, I guess it was 2013. Like Jason hadn't coached a game yet. So like, we really didn't even know what kind of style he was going to play. Like, so when you get all these, you know, the Pearson Garnett's and the Jason Terry's and Karolinko and those guys here, like, you're just hoping it works out. Like you, you already know what kind of, you know, what, what, you know, the input that Chris is willing to kind of, or how he's willing to change from a year ago and how Rudy's going to be in, um, you know, involved. But I mean, you just look at their trade assets as far as what they can't trade, which is their first round picks. They only got three seconds, Brian. I mean, that's it. They can move in a deal. And they've got some yeah. of these, they've got a lot of guys on minimum contracts. You've got Torian princes, you know, like I don't, I just don't see the value in there unless you, you're, you, you know, your bench, right? Like your bench, you're, you're forcing, you're, you're, you're asking the Austin rivers of the world to play 25 minutes guy who signed a partially guaranteed contract. So that's what hurts is when you have got Jordan McLaughlin, you mentioned that are out you're asking for your 13th 14th um you know the back end of the guys to play either start or play significant roles so the d'angelo russell situation is interesting he is making like third last year of his or is he 28 million it's around 30 um he's in the last year of his contract they really seem to be struggling at times this year with getting consistent point guard play and you know they kind of are they kind of need a veteran leader not that d'angelo russell isn't that but like i said that they could use a guy like mike conley it doesn't appear mike conley is available uh, at least right now um but if they've got to pay all of these salaries and they've got to kick aunt edwards up to a max which is what he's Can they afford to, you know, trade Russell for somebody with a lot of money on his contract, even if sort of upgrading? So, like one player, I'll just say this as a hypothetical, underlying hypothetical here. 
one player that I have thought about would be, could they call Miami and get Kyle Lowry? Um, because he's a type of veteran guy who I think would really help them. Uh, and I think that the Heat might be interested in getting out from that contract. This is a hypothetical. We, do we all understand that? Thank you. Um, but that would be adding a whole bunch of money to their books. I don't know if they're in position to do that with where their salaries are, Bobby. And I'm not, you know, but I'm also not sure that they're going to resign Russell unless he takes a significant pay cut. And that was going to be a challenge before this year, even if everything was going well, that was going to be a challenge. Now let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Warm up with the hottest games live with Vivid Seats. No matter the sport, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love. Plus, with Vivid Seats rewards, you can score free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, an annual birthday discount, and more. They're the only ticket company in the game that rewards fans for every purchase. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP. H-O-O-P. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. I don't know. Like, they genuinely miss Patrick Beverly. Not that Beverly is the prototypical floor general, but they miss what he brought to them. They need a veteran uh, lead guard like that, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was... I was um texting with a team before I jumped on here and I was just picking a brain about Minnesota. And, and, you know, one of the things they said was like, who on this team is kind of willing to get their hands dirty. Who's kind of the, a little bit of the enforcer here that, you know, the, um, you know, when things, who's the one who can deal with adversity here. I think your Miami point, the, the hypothetical that you mentioned, that's kind of the direction that you have to look at because the Edwards extension doesn't kick in until, um, 24 25 so you have a little bit of a like a a one-year window where you can take on salary um you know you only have 120 million dollars committed for next year um the luxury tax is 164 so you know by taking on kyle's number or a play or a player like that you can still do that and stay under the tax and i'm sure if you're miami you would be like hey you know we want to maybe pay gabe vincent or max Struess or one of these guys who are going to be free agents um again you know upcoming un- unrestricted free agent so that's that's the type of deals that you're going because you're not going to pay d'angelo russell 31 million dollars again like to be your fourth or fifth best player when you're already committing big money here. Um, And this free agent class, let's face it coming up, you know, for, if you're Minnesota, you lose D'Angelo, you're basically looking at, you know, um, you know, mid-level exception type money here in an, in an average free agent class. So that's the direction that if you're the, the Timberwolves that you will would want to go in here is where, Hey, we're willing to take on salary, but it can't be salary that extends past the, you know, the, um, the, the 23, 24 season. Well, that's why Conley and Lowry both fit into that situation. 
Um, I'm not sure where that would be. Like, I don't know how the Heat would view Russell fitting into their operation in a year where, you know, they're underperforming, but they still have high hopes. Um, and so, uh, but that, you know, I think Minnesota was already, I think, going to have some big questions in front of them even before this. But I would just say that my general feel on Minnesota is as bad as it looks right now, I think you got to take Gobert's advice and you just got to wait. You got to wait for Towns to come back. You got to wait for them to try to settle down a little bit, try to, um, like you said, find that style of play. Um, but it's gotten kind of ugly there. And they're, they're taking fire right now. So um, we'll see how that goes. I, one thing I don't think is going to happen is I don't think D'Angelo Russell is going to sign an extension. He is extension <laughs> eligible. One of 29. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you did this the other day. You talked about the 29 players who are eligible to be extended. And the, this is something that has definitely developed in the last three to five years under the current CBA. We didn't usually see players, sign extensions, um, in their, um, you know, while their season was going on, it was unusual. You maybe saw what once every two, three years once. Yeah, we didn't see it. I think there was an average of like two or th- maybe two. Um, and then really it picked up around, I guess what, 2019, um, 2018, 2019, like we were getting, yeah. I think we're averaging like 14, 15 guys a, a year here with, uh, with extensions. It's the old, sign now and then ask out later type, you know, that right. we, uh, we see with players. Yeah. Lock your, you lock your money in now. So there's a couple of guys I want to talk about uh, where that is going to be a discussion point over the next couple of months. Um, one of them right off the bat, and this has already been reported on, I believe the athletic report on it a little bit about miles Turner and the Pacers, you know, the Pacers have entertained trade talks with miles Turner for, multiple seasons now. Um, but the Pacers are in an interesting situation, Bobby, with Miles Turner or anybody else they might want to extend, by the by the way. Um, would you could you explain that real quick? Yeah. So he's uh he's both actually he's extension eligible so they can add um an additional th- uh, four years to his contract. They can extend him for four years 97 million dollars. However uh, because they have cap space, um, Indiana does. He also is renegotiation eligible. So basically what you can do is you can take his starting salary and bump it up to the max salary. So you can add about $18 million there. Bump it up for this, this year. Current, this year. Yeah. You can basically yeah. give him like an $18 million advance, but you, he basically doesn't have to pay it back for this year. So can you imagine? So we're in January right now. So you're basically giving him an $18 million number to play another 40 games here, which is a humongous thing. The caveat with that is that how extensions work, usually that usually it's like an 8% increase or an 8% decrease. That's the maximum allowed. However, with renegotiations, you can bump it up and then you can drop it down 40% in this, in the next year. We saw it with Robert Covington back in, I think 2017 here. So, you know, Turner can go, up until up until like 37 million this year. And then they can drop it all the way down to 22 million for next year. And then that that's more of a manageable number. You, the renegotiation 
Um, you have up until February 28th to do that, the extension part until June 30th here. So they're kind of an interesting position. I don't, I don't think Brian, that the renegotiation part doesn't come into play until after the trade deadline, which is February right. 9th. Wanna Cause you, yeah, you yeah. want to see, you want to see, you want to see what you have. Um, you don't want to use room. Um, you know, maybe you're taking back, um, you know, some contracts or, you know, Hey, they're still, they're 20 and 17. Um, they're, they're in this, like, you know, they're, For sure. still, they're, they're, they're Tyrese Halliburton just, another killer performance in the clutch uh, outgunning Paul George on his old floor over the weekend. Paul had 45, but Halliburton was just incredible in the fourth quarter of that game. Yeah. I mean, like, so, you know, Turner's an interesting guy, you know, um, you know, we've always talked about him and buddy healed as kind of the trade guys, but um, you can lock up Turner now, maybe on a good number. You're still going to have plenty of flexibility. The Halliburton extension, um, is similar to, to Anthony Edwards, like his ex- he's rookie extension eligible this coming off season. He'll, his won't kick in until 24, 25. You've managed your books here. Healed eventually will come off in another year. Um, so if you think he is, you know, kind of your you know starter going forward, you could always move him down the road. You know, you can move him, you know, whatever, six months, which would be the summer if you want to do something here. Um, so similar what Detroit did with Bogdanovic. You know, they extended him for another two years and he becomes a little bit more valuable as a, as a trade asset. Yeah. So I, I oftentimes get asked questions by casual NBA fans about whether NBA players can renegotiate their contracts like we see all the time in the NFL. And, you know, the NFL teams are always creating salary cap space by moving salary around, converting it to bonuses or what have you. Um you can't renegotiate contracts in the NBA um, with this one very rare caveat because it is unusual for an NBA team to have appreciable cap space. Almost every team spends up to the cap. Most of them exceed it, but up to the cap are very close. Um, you remember that the Pacers signed DeAndre Ayton to a, a contract or to an offer sheet. What was that number? 30. Yeah, it was like 31, 30, 31, right? So, most, yeah, so that was where the room went. Well, the room now is the eight in slot that has now right. opened up. Right. So they, they, they had to create the $30 million in space on their, on their books to offer um, uh, eight. And it was matched. And now they're sitting there with a $30 million hole, which they have spent a little bit of money, but not most of it. And also remember there's a salary floor. You have to spend up to a certain number or you have to distribute that what you're under to the rest of your team. That's what happened last year with Oklahoma city. They didn't spend to the floor. They didn't have anybody they wanted to renegotiate and extend. And so they gave all their players. What was, what did every player get like a million bucks, Bobby? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. it was the most ever that a, a team has given out. I mean, you're looking at, you know, this year, San Antonio and Indiana are the two teams that are, you know, well, you know, well below the floor. The penalty is, you know, as you mentioned, the only penalty is that you have to redistribute that money. To well, the, the point is you have to spend the money anyway. So, yeah. so if you're going to spend the money, you might as well spend the money on, creating, you know, taking care of your players or creating an asset or adding to your team as opposed to, you know, the Thunder last year weren't going anywhere. They were in a unique position. Um, so anyway, um, okay, so Miles Turner is one to watch. Um, it is crazy to me that he might actually end up signing their long-term. I did not see that at the start of the season, but certainly uh, to them. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. 
from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts, 122 million, for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusion supply. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Another guy that I think is interesting that is um, getting some attention is Christian Wood, um, who is a polarizing player to some because he sometimes puts up really good numbers, but then it doesn't always translate, but then sometimes it does. And he became eligible to extend his contract on Christmas day. So Luca has been killing for the last three weeks, killing, um, which Luca executed in back-to-back games, Bobby intentionally missed free throws that won the team games. One of them, he intentionally missed a free throw, got the incredible rebound against the Knicks and put it back to force overtime will be probably one of the highlights of the year in the NBA. Then they played the Spurs the next game and there was a second and a half left and the Spurs had a timeout and the Mavericks were up by one. Luca was at the line with one shot. So if Luca makes a free throw, the Spurs can call timeout and advance it and be able to set up some play. Now one and a half seconds, that's a big ask to try to pull that off, but you know they would have had a shot at it. Luca intentionally misses the free throw perfectly, and the ball comes back to him, and he runs away from people and it kills the game. So that the Spurs never had a chance. Two totally different situations with him perfectly executing a <laughs> missed free throw. So he has been amazing. He had 51 in that game <laughs> against the Spurs. But Christian Wood has been really good in their six-game winning streak, and now all of a sudden Dallas is in fourth place, and Christian Wood is really contributing. So, Bobby, that's a tough call. The Mavericks have a dearth of, you know, higher-end talent on their roster, and this is a guy who is putting up numbers for them and is facing unrestricted free agency. I don't know what his market would be, but there will be some interested in him. Like, do you think the Mavericks keep Christian Wood? Yeah, so you mentioned extension eligible four years, seventy-seven million. You can do that up until June thirtieth. Um, you know, there's I think ten teams that have cap space this offseason. I think if you're Dallas, you'd probably like it to do it on a probably a shorter term deal, probably a two year deal, maybe yeah. a team option in the third year here. If you're Christian Wood, you're looking at what is the marketplace? Can I get more than eighteen million per year, or can I get more years? Remember, two of those teams that have cap space are teams he played for. You know Houston and Detroit, so you can they kind both of traded like, them. <laughs> so you can kind of yeah. Now we go through the process of elimination here, right? As far as all these teams that have um, have room, you know, certainly, you know, we won't go through. But Charlotte, you know, 
we'll see what happens with Miles Bridges there. They're a team that could have room um, this this offseason here. But the the Woods situation is interesting too, Brian, because like hypothetically, let's just say he's traded, right? Let's just say he's traded tomorrow um, in early January here. Well, now all of a sudden the acquiring team is now restricted to what they can extend him to, right? So now that six-month rule now goes back into effect. So basically he's only extension eligible for like two years, I think it's like $34 million, $33 million here. So there's there's no incentive there for a team except for acquiring his bird rights. But um, but you look at Dallas's books, you've got, you know, with um with Luca and Dinwiddie's contract eventually is going to become guaranteed and Hardaway and Kleber and all these guys, you lose him, you're basically kind of in another, you're in another Jalen Brunson situation, right? You're not, it's not like you're going, you can go out there and you all of a sudden yeah. have a $19 million slot to go out and, 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 uh, and that's the thing. Like Christian Wood and Jalen Brunson are very different in across the board, but the Mavericks mishandling of the Brunson situation last year, how could it not inform them on how to handle Christian Wood? Um, uh, it's a, that's going to be an interesting one. Here's another one that I think will be interesting. Dylan Brooks, the Memphis Grizzlies, extension eligible, having an excellent year, um, had an incredible interview. Um, Tim Bontemps is writing about this in the Hoop Collective uh, column that is um, coming out on Tuesday. Uh, so I don't want to steal the thunder from some of the interview that he had in his comments over the weekend in Toronto. But uh just in some incredible stuff, Dylan just really coming into his own, uh, b- both as a defender and with Memphis's injuries that they had, there were times where he was just gunning. But as a valuable player, Bobby, and plays wing defender, a valuable position, Memphis um, has flexibility on their books. They have signed shot of the max. You assume that Desmond Bain's money is coming. Do they extend... Dylan Brooks is Dylan Brooks going to take what they can offer him. That's the other question. Yeah. I mean, four years, 62 million. That's the most they can offer him um, based off his, um, you know, based off his, you know, the average player salary, my, you know, times 120%. I hope that, and in talking about extension, I hope this is one of the rules that actually gets fixed. Uh, I don't know if it would impact Dylan Brooks, but it would be, you know, these guys that sign team friendly deals, in the next CBA where you can extend them not off 120%, but based off what the percentage of the cap could be. So for Dylan Brooks, it could be up to 30% here. Like we saw with Zach Levine last year, Jalen Brown, guys like that, where maybe you can give him a little bit more money. But I, I think Memphis is interesting. Zach Klein and their GM has been active when it comes to extensions. I think there's seven players on this roster that have signed extensions, but the one, the beauty of Zach and, and one day I'm going to write about this, maybe this year is that, he has it. There's a salary structure and how they pay players. So they have, you know, certainly Ja and then Jaron and then Desmond Bain is eventually is going to be that third guy. But they paid Tyus Jones a percentage of the cap because of where, what his role is. They paid Brandon Clark a percentage of the cap because of what his role is. Like the, the, what they their pay is is you know Dylan Brooks might be their third or fourth best player on a team, and they're not they're not going to go out and pay him twenty five million dollars. That's just not how Memphis has constructed their their roster here. And they're a team that never goes into, you know, they go into the summer with cap flexibility, but they always use it towards their own players, right? Like that's because that's they usually, draft really because they draft really, really well. 
Yeah, that's that. I mean, that's kind of how I mean how they you know how they're structured here. And I think Bain, you know, you mentioned you know Bain's like um you know the other two guys that we we just mentioned with Edwards and Halburn. He's extension eligible this summer. I mean, all three of those guys are getting the max, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the. I mean, I you know I call it the fun max, the first max. It is because like as you know, I've had teams tell me this too. It's not you know we we always talk about um, extensions. I said they said it's not the the first extension. The first extension is like you can get out of like you know there's always a get out of jail free card eventually there, and it's only twenty five percent. It's the second and third ones. It's those are the big ones where you get yourself in trouble here. The fun max. Everybody loves the fun max. so, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, that's $16 million a year, give or take, on rounding. Dylan Brooks might think he can do better. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But I'm sure they will try to get that done. want to go through a couple more. Um, Jeremy Grant. One of the reasons why Detroit traded him was because I don't think that they were comfortable with giving him the type of extension that he wanted. So he's gone to Portland. They've been up and down. Um, injury related though and but he's been a good pickup for them definitely a value pickup for what they sent to detroit for him um is is a free agent if you let him go i'm not sure what his market's going to be but he has real value there and i think dame lillard likes playing with him and that's a factor in this um how do you see that one yeah, big wings are a premium. He'll be 29 when he when free agency hits here. His his is interesting because right now he's only eligible for two years, 45 million. But that changes this upcoming Saturday, which is the seventh. That changes to four years, 100 and 112 million dollars because that six month restriction from the trade now will be lifted here. So I think if 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 um, Joe Crone in their GM in Portland puts that in front of him, I think I think Jeremy Grant would sign that. I, th- I think there, there's too much of a risk here. And I think I you know, at age 29, I think he absolutely would. I think the more question is whether the Blazers would do it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, there, but here's their, here's the situation with Portland Lillard, Simons, Nurkic, like they're not a team that has flexibility going forward either like that. You know, you lose him and you're now, you know, you're kind of back to where you were um, a, a year ago here. So um, you have Lillard, you just signed him to the extension, you know, Grant would be in the prime of his career here. So that's another one here that if he becomes a free agent, I think he's his value, um, you know, and in the open market, it's hard because some of the teams that are have cap space are the rebuilders, right? Like the, the team he just played for Detroit, like he's not going to re-sign back there. Right. He already did that here. So I think if that number's there, he would sign it. It's just a matter of what's the, um, you know, are they comfortable doing all four years or is it three years? Or is there, you know, we see a lot of conditions on the, on the last year. Is it tied into certain incentives here? Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's a good name to, to keep an eye on. All right. Here's one that you talk about a rebuilding team, Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. So when he signed that contract with Utah, Cleveland traded him there. He was immediate impact player off the bench. Utah was in their comp their you know, they're competing for a title at the time. They signed him to a, like a four year, like one of like 58. Is that about the range yeah. they signed him to? Yep. And I remember when he signed it, feeling like that was a pretty fair deal for both sides. Well, he's arguably outplayed that contract. He would probably say he absolutely has outplayed that contract. Utah has to spend their money on somebody. I don't think Utah wants to get into bidding wars. 
Um, but they have other extension eligible. They have other guys that they may want to keep long-term on the roster. Malik Beasley is one of them, a guy, if they don't trade, they might want to keep around. He's got, he's under the six month provision right now. Right. But, um, what do you think about Jordan Clarkson as a guy uh, to me, if you're the jazz, you either extend him or you trade him. Yeah. I wouldn't if, let him get to, to free agency. So by, tr- if you traded him, then he's no longer eligible to sign an extension with the, uh, with his new team, even if it's only for an additional two years, because remember he's got this, he's got a player option in this contract here. So um, by doing it, the six month rule is in effect. You can only give an increase of 5% here. So you have to actually come in where that player option is. It's, it's interesting because he went from sixth man to kind of, he's there, you know, into that starting lineup here. And, and you're right. Like eventually you do have to, you know, he's got a player option. Um, he's extension eligible for four years, 72 million. Um, uh, you know, basically the player option gets, it's, it's basically three years of new money because the player option is basically kind of being reworked here, but um, you have Sexton. Um, you had, you said you Conley's next on a gar- partial guarantee next year. Beasley's got a um, team option. Um, if you can do something in that, you know, that 16, $17 million number, a little bit, you know, where that player option is, then I would be, you know, I'd be comfortable as far as doing that. I think it's more of another guy, the length of the years, 32 years old this summer so is he really yeah while time flies <laughs> i was teasing i was talking with kobe altman in, in vegas and we were talking about um because it was right around the time they traded for him like christmas day i christmas the day before christmas i think um a few way back when um and um no he they, was they, uh they, he was a he was a deadline pickup they, they might have traded him they traded him they traded him to utah like okay. December 23rd. Cause we were talking okay. about no, no trades ever happened during Christmas. And he says, well, we traded Jordan Clarkson. Um, I think it was the post, you know, the first year after LeBron had gone. Yeah. Yeah. They were breaking Utah, down uh, on December 23rd. And uh, the, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember when he was like this second round, uh, what a find by the Lakers um, back in their doldrum years. Um yeah, um, well, I definitely think that uh, we could see some of this stuff happen and it will affect free agency this summer. Um, there are more teams with room this year than last year. And I've already talked to agents um, who are, uh, you know, already banking on that, saying, well, you know, my guy is going to get a chance. But I'm going to say that also the draft ladder is going to make a big difference here because the teams that are going to have space like Charlotte, depending on what they do with bridges, which is a whole nother topic. We'll wait and see what happens there. Houston, Detroit, as you mentioned, like any of these teams get one or two in the lottery, it's going to completely change their strategy. So like if you're banking on, you know, those teams to be there, they may totally be looking at something different. So, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of these guys look at this landscape, regardless of that, Bobby, and end up doing deals. Um, again, like you said, probably after, probably in that zone between the trade deadline and about March 1st, where teams sort of get their rosters all set, uh, you know, want to set themselves up. Uh, thank you for your insight, as always. You are invaluable to us with your uh with your knowledge and your uh, in your experience. Um, thank you to Jackson, our producer. Hope everybody had 
a good holiday. We are back to our normal rotation. We'll be talking to you um, on Wednesday. Take care. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One.